MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, January 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, AG, and today a wonderful interview with MSNBC contributor Katie Fang, one of my favorite people on the planet. The interview originally aired as part of the Mueller She Wrote episode called Manafort Stone and Cohen Oh My, and it aired February 17th, 2019. The Manafort sentencing recommendations had just come out, and Katie and I discussed Tom Barrick, that's the guy who got Manafort the job with Trump in the first place, the one that Jordan always drafts for her fantasy indictment league, and who would eventually go on to work in Trump's inaugural, which is currently still under investigation by the New York Attorney General Tish James, and might still be under investigation by the Department of Justice, unless Barr has somehow slowed it down or stopped it. But anyway, please enjoy this interview with Katie Fang. So joining us today for the interview is Yale grad trial lawyer and MSNBC legal contributor. Please welcome for the first time on the podcast, Katie Fang. Katie, welcome to Mueller, she wrote. Ah, the crowd goes wild. No, I'm joking. No, thank you for having me. Completely an honor. Thank you so much for your kind words. We've been trying to, we've been wanting you on for a long time. So uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming by and and thanks for... um responding to us. So as of the time of this recording, it's Saturday, we have just gotten the the Manafort sentencing memo and all this news about Manafort this week. And I wanted to kick off this discussion about the man that helped Manafort get his job on the Trump campaign in the first place. And his name is Tom Barrick. Katie, what can you tell us about him? There's so much I want to talk about about Tom Barrick. I feel like when I talk about Tom Barrick, everybody looks at me like I'm nuts because he's not the guy that you hear about. He's this stealth player, but he's the common denominator. And I was having a conversation with someone else last night who I deemed to also be in the know. And she and I were discussing all things Mueller. And she also was in agreement that Tom Barrick is this man who is behind the scenes, who I suspect has been the huge puppeteer um, for a lot of stuff that has gone down. And the reason why I say that is Tom Barrick is some multi-cajillionaire, but he's been friends with Donald Trump since the early That's like 90- pre-breakfast club. Way back. They were, um, oh, I'm talking like dudes thought they were the original masters of the universe, right? Uh, and they're, they both were in real estate, et cetera. But the distinction with a difference for, for Tom Barrick from Donald Trump is the following. Tom Barrick has always known what side his bre- his bread's being buttered. And he's always figured out what's the next big angle. So other than playing somebody like Donald Trump, and I'll get into more specifics about that, Barrick has ties to First Cutter um, and now more strongly with Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. And we all know this, as we sit here today and have this conversation, MBS from Saudi Arabia is the big bad wolf that we have to deal with in the Middle East. But Tom Barrick basically teed up Paul Manafort to head the Trump presidential campaign. He insisted that Donald Trump hire, as you will recall, for free, like who the heck works for free these days, hired Paul Manafort for free to run his presidential campaign. Tom Barrick actually also 
bought Jared Kushner's debt in that devil building that I call in New York, 666 Fifth Avenue. He actually bought $70 million of Jared Kushner's debt. And then when Kushner was failing... Well, now didn't... And I'm sorry to interrupt, but didn't also... Um... Rosneft and or not Rosneft, excuse me, the Cutter Investment Authority. Didn't Cutter have a big cut of that through Glencore? I be- yes, I think you're right. I think it was Cutter that was involved in that. And so no big surprise there, right? That Tom Barrick would have connected people, the country, um, you know, these governmental and even like private entities that wanted to have stakes in the United States. Why not have? Yeah, and I'm sorry, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you again. Uh, I misspoke. It wasn't Glencore. It was uh, some other um, uh, Woodlawn. I think was the name of the investment company. Anyway, and and Cutter just recently came out and said, "Oh, we had no idea that we gave over a billion dollars to help bail out the Devil Building." Um, so that was interesting. Yeah, I call it the Devil Building. No, but it's just kind of like, you know what? It's amazing. It's just like you know, and and I could go on and on. Barrick hired Rick Gates as a consultant for Barrick's um, company, Colony. It's just everybody's so incestuously tied together. But Barrick's really important because he also was the chairman of the Trump inaugural committee. And so now the inaugural committee, which has now faced subpoenas and really hardcore subpoenas for financial records and ties to foreign you know, countries and whether or not we sold Trump administration basically sold access to the inauguration and to the administration, um, courtesy of Tom Barrick on his watch. That's a pro, that's part of the subpoena. So it's just kind of wild how Tom Barrick seems to always be involved in something and yet he has not been highlighted. He's not in the forefront of this. And his answer to all of this is, well, I've already been interviewed yeah. by the Mueller <laughs> team. Okay. And a lot of people have. Doesn't mean that you're not going to get indicted, but so it's just kind of this guy is kind of keeps on popping up, and I keep on mentioning him. And sometimes people look at me and scratch their head, like I don't know why Katie's talking about this, but I feel like Tom Barrett's going to have a very significant role ultimately in the Mueller investigation, especially the spinoff. Well, that part. was my question for you. He's such a huge Middle East guy. Why Manafort? Um, was it? Do you think it maybe it was about lifting Russian sanctions to get those Saudi nuclear? reactors built like that whole Flynn Copson deal that they were working on I mean everybody you like you said it's so incestuous but like what why Manafort if he's if he's pumping up MBS and MBZ so hard well Manafort actually had his own ties to Saudi Arabia before from like a long time ago and so it's not like Manafort was a complete stranger to the Saudis or to the UAE but I think that more importantly I think man, he knew, I think Tom Barrick knew that Manafort being put in the campaign as a direct plant because Barrick himself has always had, um, direct involvement with Trump in terms of he was the first guy who was a multi, you know, billionaire, multimillionaire businessman to come forward and basically stump for Donald Trump. He's the first one who put his credibility on the line for Donald Trump out of the whole kind of stable of Wall Street and the the rich elite. And people saw that. And it lent credibility to Donald Trump, who otherwise didn't have any. And so I think Barrick could put a plant like somebody like Paul Manafort there, who he knew was right. going to... And we to- know that the Middle East um, and Russia are inextricably linked through this nuclear deal. Uh, if they want to build the reactors, they need to lift the sanctions on Russia so that they can 
do the gas part of it and do the pipeline part of it. That's kind of where Eric Prince fits into this whole weird thing. Um, so it's it's really there's just so many like I feel like my murder board has a lot of threads between the Middle East and Russia and the Trump campaign. So it's it's pretty odd. Well, yeah, and then you know, and the other kind of wild thing is this. So there, so recently, um, the there was this memo that got leaked that was supposed to remain confidential, and so this company that I just mentioned that was founded by Tom Barrick called Colony. So there's this confidential secret memo from Colony, and basically what it says is, here's the game plan. This is how we are strategically going to position ourselves to be able to gain access to the Trump administration so we can basically cultivate relationships internationally, which will bottom line benefit our pockets. And so this mm-hmm. memo, which, by the way, no coincidence, was written by, drumroll please, Rick Gates. <laughs> and who, by the way, Rick Gates, man, that dude is shaving time off his sentence <laughs> like a camp. He is behind the scenes like, oh, you want to talk about Tom Barrick? Here you go. You want to talk about Paul Manafort? Here you go. You want to talk about the uh, inaugural committee and all that money? Where did it go? Here you go. I mean, Rick Gates is doing exceptional work. My hat off to him behind the scenes with the Mueller team. But anyway, so Rick Gates wrote this memo because he was, like I said, he was hired by Barrick to be a consultant for this company. And of course, Rick Gates is still cooperating with Mueller. But Rick Gates basically said, look, here's the game plan. We do this, and this is how all the countries end up being in the White House, not on the outside, but in the White House with Donald Trump and his whole, you know, band of merry, mischievous, yeah. thieving, felonious misfits, and everybody will benefit financially. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, of course, we've got the Apollo group in there talking to, was it Kushner um, or Junior, one of the two. <clears throat> and yeah, it's just, it's in all the influence that came through Cohen's slush fund. Um that he was running, um, and like, uh, for example, in Trader uh, Vexelberg. Uh, and so that all links back to the inaugural. So there's something really, really, um, you can't, like, you can't pull them apart. The, the the Middle East, the inaugural, Trump and Russia, they're all just super linked. And, and, who, and so, and then again, who's the person who's doing a lot of this? Tom Barrick. I forgot to mention Tom Barrick also loaned Paul Manafort $1.5 million because you know that's what we do, right? Because, oh, I'll bail you out, right. Jerry Kushner, for $70 million. Oh, do you need $1.5 right. Paul? Here you go, my friend. Oh, of course, I'll, I'll call in that chip later, right? That's the thing. It's like, you know, he's positioning these people. He introduced Jared Kushner to the Saudi ambassador to the United States. He teed up these meetings for MBS and Jared Kushner. And then, of course, just last week, because we had that insane, boring, no no week of news, right? But uh, just last week, Tom Barrick is yep. in Dubai. And what is he saying? He says the United States sucks, is what he's saying. And he says that we, as in decent, law-abiding, non-murderous Americans, that we just got them all wrong in Saudi Arabia. And that because we don't understand the rule of law in Saudi Arabia, that we should not be criticizing the fact that they murdered Jamal Khashoggi. Like, we should just ignore that because that's how they roll over there. Are you kidding me? This guy has, like, he's there shitting all over the United States because Donald Trump gives him carte blanche to do it, but he's basically saying it's completely kosher to be luring, you know, American residents because I know he wasn't a U.S. citizen, but shit, the guy was, 
you know, a writer for the post and he had legal status here in the United States. Oh, but come on, you get lured into an embassy and we're going to. Right. And, th- and then now we find these ties, you know, Khashoggi works for the Washington Post, as you said, and the Post is owned by Bezos. And now we have this whole AMI. Ben. Yeah. And then Michael Sanchez, Lauren Sanchez's brother and Lauren being the girlfriend of Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. Michael Sanchez is good friends with Roger Stone, Carter Page. All those, you know, disgusting people. And so you just, it's like you just can't extricate yourself. It's like the stickiness of the webs of like a spider web. It's so sticky, right? So it just keeps on sticking everything together. And it takes a master perfectionist like Robert Mueller to unwind and unspool these threads. And to basically, it reminds me of this. I have a four-year-old daughter. And she likes to get into everything. And I have a jewelry box that hangs <laughs> necklaces. And if you, if she goes in there and she starts fiddling around with my necklaces, especially ones that are fine, what happens? They get tangled together yeah. and I get angry and, you know, I give her a timeout and then I have to sit down and I'm not kidding you. I'll use tweezers to have to peel them apart. And it'll take me a long time. And I think of Robert Mueller that way. Of course, I'm, you know, I'm completely superficializing. I just made up a word, Robert Mueller. But it's that exact art of being able to unwind all of the stuff that's tangled together is what Robert Mueller does. And if it takes me that long to do, to undo the shit that my four-year-old did. No. Right. It's it's just too much. Uh, and I mean, he is, to be fair, handing off a lot of this complex stuff, the inaugural um, which, by the way, the scope of that subpoena is ridiculous. It's going to take months and months, but they're they're going to comply. They say, uh, but it's just there's just so much left to unwind, and that's a really good analogy with the necklaces. I've been there, um, right? Yeah. So you totally get it. So you can completely empathize. Empathize. It's like you got to unwind it, but eventually, what you do, you have discreet, clasped necklaces left over, and that's exactly what Mueller's doing. He's unwinding this and he's presenting them when they're done. He's saying, here you go. And sometimes they still, you know, have some interrelationship, but sometimes they don't. And so I believe certain things like the Roger Stone prosecution, there's a reason why it's being jointly brought so that if Mueller winds up his investigation, D.C. can continue to prosecute, you know, um, uh, Ro- Roger Stone. But but there are certain things that are still going on. There's a reason why somebody like Rick Gates, right, they, they just have back. a status update on his sentencing March 15th. A status. They don't have his sentencing March 15th. Flynn is still pending. I mean, everybody just keeps on getting pushed back. Even Butina gets her, you know, sentencing pushed back. And God knows what's going on with her. And so I just kind of feel yeah, like and, people and, wanted- and if you butt it up against other investigations, it's actually going really fast. Um, so a question for you. So we know Tom Barak brought in Manafort and Manafort brought in Pence. And I get asked a lot about Pence and I just don't have any information on him because I feel like he's done a really good job distancing himself from this whole thing. Do you have any insights on how he fits into this whole web? What's his necklace? What's his deal? So Pence is a really interesting fellow because I agree with your immediate assessment that he appears to have kept himself out of it. And I do think, though, that it's a completely plausible, incredible approach to think that Mike Pence really didn't have the type of criminal nefarious involvement that all the other players did in either in, you know, Russian interference and or obstruction. And the reason why I say that is I think you always need to have somebody who can have plausible deniability, someone. Um, 
And if you look at, um, and I'm talking more higher level, if you look at Pence, he still appeals to the Trump base, right? That evangelical, very right, um, conservative Trump base, that base that helped get the Trump Pence ticket elected and put into the White House. So if Trump right. ends up sullied in any way, you still have Pence who can still have his hands clean, plausibly. And I think oh, I will. that Pence also, <laughs> I can't speak to his intellectual um, stamina or, <laughs> you know, prowess. He doesn't, Im- I, 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 well, as in he doesn't impress me with either of those things at all. In fact, the do shows more passion being anti-abortion and I can't go sit in the room with you because you're a woman and you have a vagina if you're by yourself. Like he shows more passion for that than he does for, you know, world affairs and international relations. But I just think that maybe he's just the patsy, but not like the fall guy patsy, just like, oh, you know, I'm lending some, you know, legitimacy to this administration because I clearly am not involved in any of that. And he can say it credibly. But that's me like total far left field, you know, hypothesizing on how Pence is involved. But I do think that Pence just was put and introduced and. Yep. Kaiser Soze. I don't think it was. Because Pence ends up being Kaiser. Was it Kaiser? No, yeah, I think I'm 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 along the lines with you. He was picked uh, as a clean guy, uh, basically. Um, we need a clean dude. Well, because it wasn't like Trump. It wasn't like Trump had his hands clean. Trump couldn't keep it in his pants. You know, Trump wasn't going to church. Trump wasn't maintaining, um, you know, long term fidelity. Tr- you know, Trump was all sorts of dirty right. and then some. And I think you get right. Pence, and you're like, look. This man stands next to me and holds my hand, so I must not be such a bad guy. Wink, wink, right? And that's what Pence does, and I think that that's the reason why Pence remains, which is kind of funny, though, because if you think 25th Amendment stuff, it's like, whoa, secession plan would be whom? It would be Michael Pence? What? But yeah, so, you know, so it's kind of interesting, but again, I don't think that Pence is (laughs) the brilliant... Uh, and, and by the way, I know Kevin Spacey was Kaiser Soze. <laughs> I know, and I know Kevin Spacey has his own. No, we're speaking strictly of the character, right? Yeah, the character. Exactly. So here's another uh, Barrett question for you, and it, I, I want to know his connections to Flynn because, besides the Middle East, right? The whole cops and texting on the dais of the inauguration we're going to rip up sanctions ha 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 we're going to get those reactors built in saudi arabia and we're going to recolonize the middle east and maybe that's why colony was the name of his goddamn company but i don't know um but besides the middle east there's that hole in that in that flynn uh, i don't remember if it was a sentencing memo or if it was a here's why we're not going to throw the book at him memo but there was a third investigation that was completely redacted it wouldn't even say if it was criminal or counterintelligence and I'm I'm wondering if that has something to do with the Cutter Investment Authority, or maybe it's got something to do with uh, Barrick. But I'm wondering how much additional uh, assistance Flynn can provide, since his, the judge in the last trial was like, "Why didn't you charge these guys with treason? And you better not let me sentence you today. Go go forth and cooperate more, and we'll talk." later remember when they asked him like six times like are you sure you, you should really wait uh I, you know i'm really mad at you right now so i'm wondering if what the connection is there or if you have any insights on what you think that third 
investigation might be. I know it's speculation, but I, I enjoy speculation. Well, you know, so we know that we'll, we'll, we can always look at kind of the building blocks that can lead to rank speculation on our part, but could be maybe well-founded. So we know that Michael Flynn was hired by a, a firm that lobbied for Cutter, right? And so we know that Flynn was directly being involved. And so it really kind of makes you wonder whether or not Flynn's sentencing would actually show exactly how much the Cutter Royals had a direct involvement with Trump and the Russia connection. Because I think, again, people like to compartmentalize the way that this whole thing's gone down. And it's it always was focusing on Russia to begin with. And the and the narrative and the dialogue has always been so heavily Russia driven. But now we know that you can't look at them as being mutually exclusive. You can. They're all interrelated. But the ultimate question that that merits an answer is, you know, how? You know, is it just people were being driven by greed and these are countries that facilitated greed and they just happened to be Qatar or Saudi Arabia or Russia or the Ukraine? Or are we really specifically dealing with the fact that maybe there's this whole thing about bribery and, you know, the steel dossier and how accurate was the information in the steel dossier that spoke to things? And so I don't really know. Um the Flynn direct, the strength of the Flynn direct tie. I don't know. Um, I think that we'll probably find out once Flynn is sentenced. But then again, also, even if he's sentenced um, and when he is sentenced, there's so much that remains redacted because they're still open and pending investigations. And because everything's so interconnected, I think what we could do is if things remain redacted, that means right. that... And, and we know that... Um... Flynn's deputy was KT McFarlane, who was later offered a job as the ambassador to Singapore. Uh, and the ambassador, previous ambassador to Singapore, had a, a presence at that Mayflower meeting. Um, so it's like it's and that has to do with the the Saudi reactor plan. So it's just all this craziness. Um, and I think Bud McFarlane was uh, her mentor. And it just seems like there were so many people installed almost in, in, in this administration. And I, I just have to wonder how much Trump knew about um, and what he didn't know about and was being used for. You know what I mean? Well, remember, there's also that Maybe. guy from Cutter who basically said that he was hanging out, shooting the shit with Michael Cohen and Michael Flynn at Trump Tower, right? And Yeah, that's uh, Al Rumehi. Yeah, right? That was it? Yeah, Al Rumehi was like, oh, yeah, yeah why I was hanging out with them and we were doing stuff together. Huh? Like, what were you guys doing? Like, And why is it a Trump Tower of all places? Yeah, him. Yeah, he was interesting. I actually think that the uh, and I, I think we'll find out soon, but I think that the secret company from country A in the Mueller subpoena battle, that Mueller is the one who wants to keep quiet. I personally think that that's the Cutter Investment Authority. But I mean, it, it could be somebody we've never heard of. But anyway, uh, well, that would fit with the idea that it's a governmental entity, right? Hello. It's exactly by definition what it is. And normally it deals with you know, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to, they've been fighting, um, the subpoena that ostensibly are going to be for what financial records, right? That's usually what it is. What else would you not want to turn over? Um, so I think that that's a really educated, exceptional guess. It's probably pretty dead on. And by the way, I, I will add a footnote to our conversation about, 
um, people getting together and doing shady, nefarious things. Um, Tom Barrick <laughs> let <Why>? Colony, <laughs> the company, his company, he let their offices be used for transition team meetings that were deemed to be sensitive. <laughs> it's like, oh, you need a place. For me, I'm used to people being like, dude, I need to play a place to crash. Here's my futon. Like that's what yeah. I Yeah. As comedians, we do we do this thing called couch surfing when we go on tour. It sounds like all the Russians are uh shell company surfing. Um <laughs> yes. just having these little meetings and crashing out at uh Yes, absolutely. And then apparently they're going to go hang out at uh at Tom Barracks. I go hang out at Tom mm-hmm. Barracks. I'm sure it's pretty fancy. But remember Michael Cohen. Yeah, we've got a lot of um sadly tainted as witnesses but very uh knowledge-rich cooperators in this investigation. Yeah, they're never going to be. I mean, in the traditional kind of mob prosecution sense, uh, drug ring sense. I mean, anytime when I was a prosecutor and I was dealing with it, it's you, you started flipping people and they had their hands dirty. They all did. But who's better Who's better suited to speak to the inner machinations and workings right. of... And, and even if they aren't a good material witness as Gates proved not to be to the jury in the Manafort trial. They just didn't listen to him at all. Uh, you, you can get leads and information that will lead you to documentary evidence and other evidence that can be used. So it's, it's while they might not be the, the most reliable witness, um, they are, you know, founts of knowledge. Yeah. And as long as there's independent corroborating objective evidence through the form of, like you said, documentary, photographic, videographic, whatever, audio. I mean, just if there's something else there that will corroborate, then you're okay. I mean, you can base it on that. You And even then you can use circumstantial evidence. You know, right. even and, have- and we've seen this work because Manafort was convicted on eight counts. Um, even if the, even though Gates wasn't the most reliable witness, the documentary evidence that he was able to lead Mueller to or Mueller found on his own or corroborating uh, other evidence uh, that that is what or, you know, got the got the eight eight felony counts convict that's what he got convicted oh yeah and and manafort is leaving prison in a body bag is what's gonna happen to manafort now easy he will he will and that was his calculated gamble he thought he could play the government and we as we always say as lawyers you know the biggest the biggest law firm in the world and most powerful law firm in the world um, is not Kirkland Ellis, by mm-hmm. the way, because I don't know if you noticed, but all these Kirkland lawyers are now in DOJ and very high up in the food chain. Um, but no, it's the uh, it's the United States government. Yeah. Well, before that whole cooperation agreement, we we were of the ilk that he would never cooperate because he was angling for a pardon, A or B. He was scared shitless of the Kremlin um, <laughs> because we've seen uh, people accidentally get hurt uh, to death uh, <laughs> who have crossed Putin. So. <laughs> They're they're accidentally they're accidentally uh, murdered. Well, I know it's in some insurance policies, right? Accidental death and dismemberment. So maybe you know, hopefully he was covered. That's a crime. I'm not familiar. With. <laughs> Just what a horrible what a horrible thing. And and the fact that we do do not and did not immediately invoke the wrath of sanctions and any other thing that was within our arsenal. For that conduct. Yeah, it's a scandal a day. And and we know Trump recently missed his deadline under the Magnitsky Act to respond to Congress about the murder of Khashoggi. And and, and nobody talks about that. That came and went. And it, uh, and it completely dovetailed on the day when Saudi Arabia said, sorry, we don't know where the body is. Really? 
Yeah, that I think that that was probably some sort of uh, sulfuric acid dissolution situation or something. Didn't, didn't somebody have a hot tub full of sulfuric acid in this thing? I can't remember who it was. Yeah, and then what got weird was just like, um, I was going to say it's like right around the corner was Envoy or the Ambassador's like... The consul general's home was around the corner, yeah. and they found stuff. They found evidence there, so I think that there could have been. And then that cutout guy um, must have accidentally put on all of Khashoggi's clothes and walked out of the consulate to, you know, make sure everyone saw. Oh, that happens to me all the time. Yeah, somebody accidentally wears my clothing <laughs> and leaves me butt naked somewhere. So, <laughs> yeah, no. Well, Katie, it's been really insightful speaking to you. I'm so glad that you got a chance to come on. I hope that we can uh, have you on the podcast again. So everybody, trial lawyer, MSNBC legal contributor. Thank you so much, Katie Fang. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.